0: You're tuned into The Plan Podcast, episode number seven, and today I'm answering your questions that were submitted through Instagram and Facebook. I really got a wide range of questions for today, and we're discussing everything from books to quinoa to how I knew that Josh was the one for me. And I do have just a really quick correction on today's episode. In response to my favorite books, I wrongly said the seven love languages by gary chapman and that should have been the five love languages so five not seven i think we should probably know the names to our favorite books so just had to take a moment to correct that quickly i do have links to all the books that i mentioned in today's show notes so if you're kind of a book nerd head over there to get links to them um yeah so there were tons of great questions and i'm excited to kind of dive in and answer them for you so let's get this episode started
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Plan Podcast. We don't know everything, but we're putting together a plan to figure it out, one topic, an episode at a time. If your goal is to live better, do better, or be better, then this is the podcast for you. So, grab your favorite pen, folks, and let's make some plans with your host, Danny Bruflot from Time is Honey. All right, Danny, let's get planning.
0: Okay, so the first question I'm going to start with actually got asked multiple times. I think I tracked that this question was asked around eight times by different people on Instagram and Facebook both Um, and kind of was phrased differently every time. But basically, people were just asking me what my favorite books are. So I'm going to break it down into nonfiction books and fiction books for you. And I will just say that this is something I blog about a lot. So I've always done kind of like seasonal book roundups on the books that I've read each summer or winter or fall. I also have a really popular blog post on my site called The 10 Books That Changed My Life. And that has some of my all time favorite uh, nonfiction books on it. So if you wanna see more of the books I've read over the past few years, just go search my blog for books. But my favorite nonfiction titles are Being Mortal. It's by Atul Gawande. It's one of my favorite books. Um, Another favorite is The Dorito Effect. And that one is kind of about food and how the nutrition and makeup of our food has changed over time based on farming practices and breeding practices. And then another favorite is Contagious. And that's a great book for marketing. If you're in marketing or advertising or social media, it's just about how ideas catch on, how things become viral, how kind of uh, the digital age has impacted the way we sell and market things. And then another favorite book is The Seven Love Languages. I know most people have read it, I think, especially married people. It gets recommended a lot. Um, It can sometimes be a little bit religious sounding, I guess, which I'm not super into. But the basic message of the book, I really like. And I feel like it's made me a really good partner and has done really good things for my marriage. And I just really enjoyed that book. So fiction books. One of my all-time favorites is Pillars of the Earth. Um, and then also Da Vinci Code. So both of those books are ones I've read and reread a couple of times and really liked them both. Um, the Martian, which is now a movie, but when that book first came out, it was one of my favorites for a very long time. Another favorite, obviously, is the Harry Potter series. I read them you know, when I was younger, as soon as they started coming out and then read them, like would purchase them at Barnes and Noble the second they came out and would read them. And I've read the entire series, I think three times all the way through. So huge Harry Potter fan. I also love any of the books by Jillian Flynn and really liked Room and Girl on the Train. I feel like I read mostly nonfiction books nowadays, but um, used to read a ton of fiction. So it's hard for me to really say, what my favorites are, but when I kind of sat down and tried to think about the ones that were still like in my brain that I still find myself thinking about or referencing from time to time, I guess those were kind of the six or seven books that uh, stood out to me. Okay, so Sarah on Instagram asked, what are your favorite shows on Netflix? And this is like another thing where I wish I had just like a super straight up answer, but I really don't. So Josh and I do not watch a ton of TV I really have never been a huge TV person ever. Um, Josh and I have never even had cable in the like nine or 10 years we've been together. So we just kind of watched things on Netflix or Hulu or HBO Go. Um, and we actually didn't even own a television for the first four months after we moved to Denmark. So I to be honest, I don't have a great answer. We watch mostly movies and a lot of documentaries, and mostly on the weekends. Um, we did just finish *Handmaid's Tale* season two, which I really liked, but kind of have anxiety after watching. Um, another show that we are watching, which is on Netflix, is an like an adult. Animated cartoon called Big Mouth, and it's about like puberty, but it's super funny. We love it, really entertaining, just hilarious. And then now that Handmaid's Tale ended, we started watching Sharp Objects, which I think is an adaptation of a Gillian Flynn novel. I'm pretty sure, unless I'm getting that title confused. But yeah, so we just started that last night. So I think that's kind of the show that we're watching currently Um, but if you go to my blog I also have a series on there called what to watch and I've always done like these roundups of the things we've been watching on Netflix or what's the other I'm trying to remember what other service we had in the U.S. Amazon I think Um, so if you go to my blog and search what to watch you'll get all these old blog posts so if you're looking for new stuff to watch on Netflix you can check that out and as long as the titles are still available You'll have plenty to watch this winter, <laughs> I promise. Um, okay, so Kaya on Instagram said, how do you find your news and how do you stay current on issues? Okay, so my first source of news are podcasts. My favorite two that I listen to almost every morning are Up First, which is usually like 10 to 12 minutes long. So it's super brief. And they kind of just give you the highlights of, like, what you need to know for the day. And then the other one I like to listen to is the NPR Politics Podcast, um, which is a little bit longer, usually 20 to 30-ish minutes, and goes a little bit more in-depth on, like, the day's biggest headlines. Um, If something huge is happening and I just want, like, more detail on a specific topic, I also listen to Pod Save America every once in a while, Um, just kind of depends. But podcasts are probably my biggest source of news. And we also have our Google Home set up so that if we say, tell me the news, it will go through a long list of news sources, including conservative news sources like Fox and Bloomberg, like financial ones. Um, So by saying that, I get kind of a rundown and I'll sometimes just start my day at the computer with that on in the background to kind of hear different viewpoints and how major topics are being covered on other outlets. Um, I also, of course, like most people get a lot of news on Facebook, but I try to make a point of following, um, news outlets from kind of across the board all the way from very liberal to very conservative, um, so that I'm not kind of creating that tunnel of information, um, So a thing that I do on Facebook is I use the save link feature a lot so that I'm not distracted by news articles throughout the day when I'm working, which of course, given my job, I'm kind of bouncing in and out of Facebook all day. And so if I see a news article that I wanna read, I hit the save link thing. Um, And that just kind of creates a reading list that I can come back to later on. Um, Twitter also is a huge source of news for me. I have a list on Twitter that's public and I will link to it in the show notes, but it's called Political Voices and it's a list of people that I've been curating for a couple of years now, I think since before the 2016 election. And I'm up to about 160 people on the list. It's bloggers, journalists from all different outlets, just all around smart people that have hot takes on timely topics. So it's a good list to follow if you just want to get really quick news blurbs, breaking news, um, generally just insightful takes on the biggest headlines of the day. Um, And I'll link to that if you want to follow it or subscribe to that list. It's got some really great people on it. Um, And then some people, I guess, say that Instagram is a safe zone where they kind of escape from politics and news. But I kind of enjoy getting um, people's Uh, political opinions and news via Instagram so I do follow some journalists and anchors and stuff on Instagram I enjoy it not everyone does and then another way I get news is through a well it's an email newsletter called the skim and it's kind of similar to up first where that's a podcast and this is a newsletter but they just give you like a really brief breakdown of like the day's biggest headlines and basically what the talking points are and what you need to know about them Okay, so we're kind of moving away from the media-themed questions and moving on to organization and wellness-themed questions. And Jennifer asked via my Facebook group, what tips do you have for people who are great at planning but horrible at implementing the plans? (laughs) So, okay, I would start off by saying that planning is a habit all its own. And for some people, it comes really naturally. And for other people, it requires kind of practice to kind of train that habit before it really sticks. So I always recommend that you start by trying a short to-do list. So maybe just two, three, four, five items for the day. Um, So just start with a really short list and have your goal, your kind of overarching goal be to complete the list each day. So make it realistic, two to three things or whatever that you can accomplish that day. And then also set a goal for yourself of being able to do that for two or three or five or seven days in a row. So try to go one whole week tackling those three to-do list items every single day. And just kind of build that up. Think of it as a muscle. If you can do it for two days in a row, next time, you know, give yourself a break when you need it, then try to do it for four days in a row. Try to do it for seven days in a row and just see how that helps you continue to implement a planning routine into your days. Okay, so Katie via the Facebook page said, how do you live such an intentional life? And on that same kind of theme, Meg on Instagram asks how I stay motivated. So I think my answer to these two questions is really similar. So I'm just going to knock them both out at once. Um, I think my secret here to both of these questions is using the daily page. Um, It's just taking that time every day to sit and write things down. And it forces me to make some really tough decisions on what I have time for, what I need to prioritize, And once I write it down, it makes me feel more responsible and makes me feel intentional, more intentional about wanting to accomplish it. So I think that having my day planned out ahead of time and kind of knowing what I need to expect also gives me that opportunity to make time for things that make me happy, and spend time more intentionally, whether that's meeting up with a friend, taking Walter for a walk, doing something special with Walter as far as taking him to a park or down to the water, sitting outside to read, going to a coffee shop, making time to paint or do other artistic activities. Um, The Daily Page is kind of what allows me to look at my whole day and realize that, you know, I do have time to work in um, some hobbies or stuff that I really do want to do, and things that make me feel like I'm living very intentionally. So I hope that that kind of answers those questions. Um, Allison via Instagram said, "How do you store and organize your photos?" I think this is probably one of the questions I get asked the most via Instagram um, Messenger. <laughs> so the short answer is, I pay for extra storage in the cloud. You know, I think it's like two dollars a month, and that kind of takes care of worrying about my phone running out of space. But aside from that, I also remove the photos off my phone and organize them into monthly folders on my computer. Um, So I have a Windows computer, so I just plug my phone directly into it and then access the image folder and just drag and drop them right off my phone onto my computer. And once I know they're safely on my computer, I delete them from my phone. Um, So that way I have a copy of them, at least the ones I like. Um, Another thing that you can do and something that I have set up is you can use a service like Zapier or If This Then That, which is kind of a mouthful, but it's a similar service where they use automation and triggers to kind of set up recipes online. So since most of my favorite photos end up on Instagram, I have a recipe setup on if this then that that says that anytime I post a photo to Instagram I also want it to save that photo to my Dropbox folder and Dropbox is an online cloud storage service and so it just takes that photo takes it off my phone and puts it in the cloud Um, so that way I have it there also so it's kind of a backup kind of redundancy thing not necessary but it's an easy way to get photos in a secondary place in case anything happens to your phone Another thing that I do is every like three to six months, I use the app called Social PS to print my photos. Um, So it's an app that you put on your phone and it can connect directly to your Facebook account and your Instagram account and also the camera roll on your phone. And all you do is go through and select the photos you want, and then they'll print them out for you. I do the little four by four inch square prints. I really like the quality of them. I keep them all organized in this nice little box. And they're just really fun to look through. I usually write on the back of every single one, like where we were, what the date was, maybe a little memory. So we just have this huge box full of these prints. And I've been doing that for probably, I don't know, probably at least, six years i think um so i have them going all the way back to when we were very first married and when walter was a puppy and i think that's probably one of my favorite ways to kind of i guess archive the images versus really worrying so much about the digital file. I mean, that's important and it's great that now we have the ability to back that up. But I also am just one of those people kind of given my history and archival science background that I just really want that like tangible piece of paper memory and photos are really important to me. So every six months-ish, I go through my camera roll and my Instagram account and just print out like my favorite 20 to 30 images and keep those and that's probably one of my favorite ways to save my images. Lynn via Instagram said do you have any tips for becoming a morning person and yes Lynn I do. Um, I think I talked about this a ton in episode number six so please go back to episode number six to listen to more about this but To summarize it, um, my secret to being a morning person is actually not my morning routine, but my nighttime routine. And the two things I do at night that make me motivated to jump out of bed in the morning are starting to fill out the daily page. So by kind of filling it out at night, it kind of gives me an idea of what my day is going to look like. And like I was talking about earlier with intentionality and motivation, um, Kind of having that outline and schedule for the day lets me know if I'm going to have time to do something, you know, that I really love, like going to a yoga class, going for a bike ride, sitting down by the harbor to read, going to a coffee shop, meeting up for a friend. Um, so even though I have to wake up and go to work, which isn't always super fun, I've already planned out my day so I know that if I get up, get to work, I'm going to have time for that other stuff that I'm really looking forward to doing. The other thing I do at night that helps me in the morning is I browse through the podcasts that I'm subscribed to and I actually pick out which podcast episode I'm going to listen to in the morning when I take Walter for a walk. So that just makes me, you know, when my alarm goes off, instead of being like, I just want to sleep for 20 more minutes, I'm kind of thinking about what that podcast episode was and wanting to get up and get walking and get listening to it. Allison via Instagram asked, how do you meal prep and store all the veggies you eat in your salads and bowls? I do have some tips on storage, but I'm kind of an awful person to ask about this because um, at least for the last couple years, we've lived really close to a grocery store. Right now we have several little markets and stuff within like a five to 10 minute walk for us. Um, So I'm kind of a bad person to ask just because we kind of go to the store like every day if not every other day and kind of just get what we need for that day and I would say especially in Europe things are packaged smaller so like we don't always have to buy like we can buy what we need just for two people for one meal and we usually don't have a lot of excess that needs to be stored Um, So I would say, one, we usually buy just what we need and we don't have a lot to store and we don't really have to worry about how we're storing it as far as like prolonging life because we're going to eat it before it goes bad. Um, But things that I use a lot are mason jars. I also use just rubber bands a lot to just kind of reseal things in the package they came in. And then I also really like the bee paper. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's like a coated paper that's coated in beeswax and you can wrap that around like a block of cheese or a sandwich um, and keep it in the fridge so that's really simple storage also but for the most part storage isn't something we really have to concern ourselves with so i'm sorry but i'm not a great person to ask that too <laughs> um, but i hope that was kind of helpful as far as the meal prep question goes i usually cook meat and a grain um, or quinoa, which we'll learn shortly is not actually a grain, um, but I like to cook those on Sundays. So I'll make like three to four chicken breasts and maybe a few cups of quinoa and pre-cook it. And those two things keep really well in the fridge. Um, I can put them on a salad. I can put them in a wrap. I can toss them, you know, on a frying pan with some fresh veggies and make a little stir fry. And that takes like five to 10 minutes. So it's a really, it's really nice to just have those prepped and ready. And that's really the only meal prep that I do um, as far as cooking things in advance for the week. Victoria on Instagram asks, what's the difference between different colors of quinoa? (laughs) And I love this question because I can tell that I eat quinoa a lot and that people notice. (laughs) Um, So first, I'm just gonna give a really quick recap on what quinoa is, because I know some people aren't familiar with it. It's kind of a weird word. Um, I don't even know how old I was when I was introduced to it, but it's definitely a food that I grew up not eating. Um, So, Quinoa is often compared to rice, even though quinoa is not a grain. You can kind of think of it as a grain and it's great to use in place of rice. And it's similar in the way you cook it. So you cook quinoa by steaming it, similar to how you cook rice. And I use it a lot in wraps, tacos, rice bowls, all that. You can also kind of mix it in if you're making a pasta to just kind of add a healthy filler in there so you're not eating as much pasta kind of a little trick that I do. Um, So quinoa is actually a seed and it's a flowering plant that's most closely related to like spinach. And then beets and chard, I'm pretty sure that's right. Beets and chard are also in the same family. And the family is called amaranth, which I had to write that in my notes because it's such a weird word. I'm pretty sure I'm saying it right, but it's the amaranth family. And so, like I said, it's actually a flowering plant Um, so it's not considered a grain and it's actually really high in dietary, dietary fiber and protein higher than brown rice. So it's a really great alternative or when we make rice bowls and stuff at home, sometimes I do 50% brown rice, 50% quinoa so that you kind of get an equal balance. But anyway, in short, it can be a healthy addition to a lot of your favorite dishes. And I eat it pretty frequently. It comes in several colors. The most common ones are white, red, and black. They're the ones you'll see the most often, especially in U.S. grocery stores, but you can also find various colors. I've seen purple, pink, green, orange, rainbow, which is when a bunch of them are mixed together. Um, But I don't really have a preference on one over the other. I kind of like all of them. Um, Generally, I think the rule of thumb is that the darker the quinoa, the richer and nuttier it ends up tasting. And then darker quinoas are usually higher in fiber, so I guess technically they kind of win out a little bit in the health department, but if you're new to quinoa and you're trying to like get used to it or you're trying to trick your family into eating it instead of rice, I would probably say that white quinoa or yellow quinoa are like the most similar to rice, where they're not going to like shock your taste buds. Um, They're light and fluffy and don't have a strong flavor. Um, So white is kind of the gateway drug to quinoa, I would say. And then I really like the dark ones, the red and the black and the brown. But anyway, I think that's more than any of us ever needed to to know about quinoa. So now that you know that, um, Taryn on Instagram said, how do you prioritize tasks and not get distracted by shiny things so this struggle is very real (laughs) i think especially today when so many of us work on computers and then even if you're not working on a computer you have a computer in your pocket and that means that we literally have an entire world of distractions at our very fingertips so i think this gets exacerbated especially if you're self-employed and you work from home because to some degree the only person that's responsible for your time is you and if you want to waste your entirety on pinterest there's not really anyone to hold you responsible, except maybe, you know, your bank account. (laughs) But um, for me, what works is just really prioritizing my day into chunks. So knowing that if I complete, you know, X, Y, and Z, I can take time to do blank. And I've kind of talked about this several times, how important it is to me to make time to do the things that I'm really passionate about. And for me, that's building a to-do list that allows for that. Um, So just kind of prioritizing Um, what I need to do before I can get time to do the fun stuff in my day, I guess. Um, that kind of just keeps me from getting distracted because I kind of put myself on more of a timetable and kind of learn how to prioritize things. Um, and I guess I just kind of always give myself permission to come back at the end of the day if there's an article I wanted to read or something I wanted to comment on. And I just kind of push it off to the end of the day more than anything. So Olivia on Instagram says, what are your tips for working from home and overcoming cabin fever? (laughs) So my biggest tip for working from home, and this is kind of a matter of personal preference, I guess, but um, I recommend getting ready and dressed every day. And I know I'm kind of weird about it. I get up, get ready, usually like do my hair to some degree. I'm not like the type of person that styles their hair every day, but I at least make it look respectable. (laughs) And I'm usually fully dressed, even wearing like shoes and accessories if necessary while working on the computer, even if no one's going to see me. um, I've just found that this really impacts my mindset for the day. So if I wanna feel really productive and really motivated, it really just starts with getting ready and feeling like a fully functioning human. (laughs) So just kind of hitting some of those basic hygienic standards for an adult human, just getting dressed, brushing your teeth, getting your hair to look nice, putting on deodorant, all of those basic things. It just makes me feel much better and really impacts my mindset. And I think that that flows right into the second part of Olivia's question, which was tips for overcoming cabin fever. So if you work from home, you totally know what this is, but if you don't, um, it's kind of one of those things when people ask me what it's like working from home, you kind of don't prepare yourself for the loneliness that can kind of come along with it and kind of the, the feeling of isolation that can come with self-employment. And so cabin fever kind of goes along with that where um, you know, sometimes all of a sudden you realize it's been like four days and the only other person you've spoken to in person is like your husband or spouse. Um, so my tips for kind of avoiding that state is making sure you leave the house every single day. Sometimes I realize that I don't even have to talk to other people, but just, you know, going to the market, walking down the street, going to a coffee shop, just being around other people can kind of help take that away and makes me feel better. Um, So just trying to get outside every single day, like we're human beings, we aren't meant to sit inside all the time. It's really important for our mental health that we get outside every day, even if it's just for a quick walk around the block or just to sit in your yard and stare at the wall. (laughs) Like, just make sure that you're getting outside every day. Try to make that a goal for yourself if you can. Um, and then other tips are doing a co-working space, um, even if you just go like once a month on a day pass, um, or using something like Bumble Biz, the app, to find other um, business owners in your area who you could maybe collaborate with, or even if it's just meeting up at a coffee shop to be in each other's presence while you both work on a project or something. Um, those are really great. And again, just just going out in public whenever you get the chance, I think are the best ways to overcome cabin fever. But for me, that kind of starts with getting ready every day, because if I don't get up and get ready, I'm not very likely to want to leave, even if it's just going for a walk or walking somewhere to grab lunch. Um, So for me, both of those things kind of get tackled by having a morning routine and being the type of person that gets up and gets ready for the day. Scott on Instagram asked, what do you do when you're faced with writer's block? And I feel pretty lucky that writer's block isn't something that I struggle with a ton. I feel like I always have too much to say, probably. (laughs) Um, But I do find that if I'm starting to have a hard time and I can feel that writer's block coming on, the earlier I quit and kind of give myself a break, the better. The more I like push through... Um, and kind of struggle with it the worse it gets. So when I start feeling that coming on, I just take a break. And I think a little bit of time away from whatever the project is can be really helpful. Uh, I also think that when you kind of feel that coming on, sometimes if you quit thinking about writing complete sentences, (laughs) so think less about writing word for word content and instead switch over to either outlining or just brain dumping and kind of stay within like the document that you're working on. So stay within that word document or Google document, um, and just start taking notes, doing a brain dump, whatever you need to do. So those are things that also can kind of help me work through the block. Um, And then also I know it might sound weird, but sometimes if I'm having a hard time writing um, an online story or article or blog post, um, taking a quick break to read a book, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, sometimes reading someone else's writing helps me kind of unblock that. And if I'm feeling blocked on a podcast episode where I'm writing out the script and notes for it, which that's probably where I've been encountering it the most, at least over the last couple of months, um, I find that just going for a walk and listening to one of my favorite podcasts kind of motivates me to get over that, get through that. And I come back feeling motivated to sit down and finish that episode. So Amelia via Instagram said, how did you start your business and how did you move it abroad? So I think I've talked a lot on my blog, on my about page, and in the first few episodes of the podcast about starting my business and what, what, what that was like, what kind of got me into the business. Uh, so I think I'll kind of skip that part of the, of the question. But as far as moving it abroad, um, my business has always been pretty mobile. So moving it abroad was pretty seamless for me. I would say the hardest aspect of it was my Etsy shop, which I sell a lot of digital products. So that was really not an issue, but I still sell physical products. So notepads and pencils. And I kind of had to decide if I was going to continue doing that or if I was just going to kind of quit that aspect of my Etsy shop, at least for the time that we're abroad. And fortunately, my mom is a postmaster. And so she's kind of an expert at shipping. And she was more than willing to kind of come on board and take that on. And so my mom actually handles all of my shipping, which helped a lot. Um, And then I also have a virtual assistant who assists me with certain topics, or sorry, certain projects. And they're also based in the US, so that also helps with some of the time difference issues as far as social media is concerned. Um, Otherwise, to be honest, it was all pretty straightforward. Nothing with my business really had to change, I think. It's obviously very different for different types of businesses when it comes to moving abroad, but I think if you have a consulting business and most of the work you do is online and virtual, um, especially working in social media where pretty much everything can be scheduled, um, moving abroad, there just weren't very many hoops to jump through. Um, My work is really the same whether I'm in Denmark or I'm in the US. And so fortunately, my clients were supportive and all on board and even if my clients weren't, I guess, in my field, I feel comfortable with getting new clients. Um, so yeah, not a lot had to change for me to go from the US to Denmark. Um, my husband's company actually sponsored my work visa, so I am legally allowed to work in Denmark and also legally allowed to work with Danish clients if I want to take them on. Um, but yeah, not really much I had to, had to change. My, my work is pretty much the same here as it was there. Okay, so Evelyn on Instagram said, I love your style. Have you ever thought about doing more style and fashion posts? And my answer to this is that I would love to be a full-time fashion blogger. <laughs> Wouldn't we all? Um, but I don't have plans to really do more of it. It's Honestly, it's more work than people realize it is, I think. Um, hats off to the ladies who do it full-time or do it part-time on top of a full-time job because it is really a lot of work. Um, but no, I share fashion stuff on Instagram story kind of casually when I find things I love and that's kind of my plan. Moving forward, um, I have been saving them all on the fashion highlight on my Instagram story. Um, so go there if you want to, I don't I don't know, see more fashion. <laughs> uh, okay, so Samantha on Instagram says, any tips on planning a wedding? Ooh, okay. So it's been... We'll be coming up on our eight-year anniversary in June, and I think, you know, being married for seven and a half years definitely doesn't make us experts by any means, Um, but I guess I would just say be reasonable and be true to yourself. Yeah. When it comes to wedding planning, um, I'm just kind of appalled, I guess, disturbed, I don't know, by how much people spend on weddings, and it's like I've been to really expensive weddings that were awful and boring. And I've been to really, really affordable weddings that were cheap and were really, really fun. And, you know, vice versa. I've been to cheap weddings that were horrible and expensive weddings that were great. And I think the most important thing to know is that the amount of money you spend on your wedding is not tied to how happy of a marriage you'll have. Um, Our wedding in total costs less than $10,000, which To me, that was a ton of money. That is way more than I ever imagined spending on my wedding. But the point is you can have a great wedding, make it something memorable and unique on a pretty small budget. Um, And so I would say don't feel like you have to have a huge budget to have an amazing wedding and just be true to yourself. Do things that are meaningful to you and don't feel like you have to follow things that are conventional and traditional. We... Kind of bucked the norm on a lot of things we served a burrito bar at our reception we rented an old school bus and bar hopped with our friends before the ceremony which i feel like is something that's probably frowned on traditionally um, we had our best friend officiate our ceremony and they got certified online we didn't have any religion or bible passages in our ceremony It was just very true to us and looking back there are maybe a couple minor things that i would change but i know that more than anything i'm just glad that we didn't drop a lot of money in our wedding and i would say another golden rule is not to go into debt for your wedding so if you can't afford it maybe it's not the best plan so try to do something affordable true to yourself be reasonable okay so delight on instagram which i think that's actually their first name, which is cool, asks, how do you know when someone is the one? And okay, I think <laughs> my short answer here would be that the person is the one for you. If they make you want to be a better version of yourself, this is a two-part, two-part answer. If they make you want to be a better version of yourself, and if you desire to take care of them and make them happy every day. Like, if your desire to take care of them and make them happy is strong enough that you'll wake up every single day and choose that, then they're probably a good person for you. So like I said, we've only been married seven years at this point, and that doesn't make me an expert, but I can tell you that the moment I knew I wanted to marry Josh was the moment that I realized that we'd always have something to talk about. (laughs) I don't know if that sounds super cheesy or not, but... I There came a point where I knew that we'd never be the couple just sitting across the table, like staring at each other in a restaurant with nothing to say. Um, I just knew that we'd always be learning, learning separately and learning together, and that we'd always be interested in trying out new things and having new adventures and finding new hobbies and also just learning about each other. And I don't know, I guess... <laughs> It's proven true over the last seven years. We definitely always have something to talk about, and we're always learning new things together and separately. And I think that as far as I'm concerned, that's kind of what love looks like. (laughs) So I hope that answered the question. Um, Mandy via Instagram, and this is our last question today, um, she asked, what was your most embarrassing moment? And so I kind of alluded to an an embarrassing moment in this Q&A post that I had done last week where I talked about walking into a glass door on Michigan Avenue in Chicago. And it was actually at the Zara store. Um, And yeah, I just walked straight into like a clear glass door on Michigan Avenue and there was a security guard on the other side of the door who I like startled to the point of him almost like dropping to the ground. (laughs) I think he thought something had like exploded or been thrown at the window. Like that was how hard I hit the glass. Um, so that was pretty horrifying. And Josh was actually with me and he just walked away. Like he didn't know me. So he just like turned heel and walked away. (laughs) But anyway, um, since I already kind of told that one, I felt like I couldn't use it as an answer for this one. So I fortunately have a, another horrifying and embarrassing story that I can end the podcast with. Um, so you know, i don't know if you're familiar but there's a lip balm brand called sugar and they have like these metal tubes that kind of screw together and it's a really identifiable tube and so when it's in my purse i can always like reach in and grab it and find it and i love their clear one i always used it i don't use it anymore actually but i always used to have their clear one in my purse at least one tube of it and i had forgotten that i had recently gone to sephora and saw that they had actual like tinted shades of it and so i bought one of the it was like a berry colored one. So it was kind of like a deep pink. And so I had just bought it recently and then I'd gone to the dentist and had some dental work done. And so on my way home, I decided to stop at Target. I can't remember what it was need what it was that I needed so urgently that I was willing to like go into Target with like a numb face. Like the situation where your lips feel gigantic and you can't tell if you're drooling or not and whatever. And you know, like after you're at the dentist and like your lips and your mouth, everything just feels dry and like so gross. Um, so anyway, I'm done with the dentist. I go to Target, park the car, and I'm walking into, into Target and my mouth just feels all dry. So I reach into my purse and grab what I think is the clear sugar chapstick. And because my lips feel like they're just really dry after the dentist, like you just feel like they've stretched out like your entire face. I just put the chapstick. <laughs> I put the chapstick like all over my face. <laughs> like not just on my lips. I'm like getting it like really into the corners of my mouth and like just kind of one of those chapstick scrapes where you're just kind of getting the whole area because you <laughs> you just feel like you need a lot. And I think I also couldn't feel my lips, so I think it was hard to tell like where I was putting it, but I thought it was clear, so I wasn't really that concerned about it. Anyway, I go into Target. And I can't, I wish I could remember what I was even there for, but I'm like walking around, I'm kind of getting weird looks and I'm just kind of convinced that maybe I'm drooling. So I keep kind of like wiping at my chin a little bit and like my neck to see if I'm like drooling down my face and I'm not. (laughs) All I know is I remember the moment when finally I got like, you know, so many weird looks in a row. And I finally like went up and wiped my mouth enough that my finger came away with like bright berry (laughs) lip balm on it and I was so horrified I just left Target like I just walked straight out of the store I didn't even have anything I just walked straight out and went home I was so horrified so anyway I think when I have to dig down and remember an embarrassing moment um that one definitely comes to mind and I think that was god probably like five years ago and I still I think I'm blushing right now just talking about it like god so horrifying okay so anyways I hope that that story made you feel better about any dumb thing that you've ever done. And that wraps up this Q&A session. So if you're thinking of a question now that you wish you had asked me, just keep tabs on my Instagram story or my private Facebook group, group, groove facebook groove that would be fun um so keep tabs on the hive because those are the two places where i ask for questions and be sure to head over to planpodcast.com to grab today's show notes i will put the links to my favorite books and some of those um, podcasts and news services that i use into the notes for today so that you can grab them okay we will see you next week
1: Thank you for tuning in and making some plans with us today. You can find the show notes for all episodes over at planpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to tell someone about it by sharing this episode with them and taking a moment to rate us and review us in the App Store. Don't forget, we've got plans next week, and we will see you then.